All right, guys, we're coming into episode number three. Uh, today, we're going to talk about sourcing here, okay? So we're going to talk about, you know, after we receive the job order, we then begin our sourcing, essentially, right? And last episode, what I ended with was um, f- first 48 drills, meaning uh, you have a uh, higher probability of finding the right candidate within the first 48 hours of sourcing, okay? So anything past the 48 hours and your chances of finding that perfect candidate, um, you know, decreases uh, significantly by almost like 30 or 40%. So today we're going to go ahead and cover sourcing and we'll jump right in, okay? All right, guys. So sourcing uh, essentially is where I started as a recruiter. Um, When I first started in the recruiting agency uh, world, I was working for a technical IT recruiting agency, meaning we only recruited for IT um, engineers. So not knowing anything about the industry, you know, the manager had me in sourcing. So six months of sourcing um, not enough time, you know, in the grand scope of things, um, to like master the skill, but just enough time to be able to look at a resume at this point. And within matter of five seconds, I can tell you whether or not this person's going to be, you know, worth your time or simply someone that you just want to pass on. Right. So all that's to say is, you know, I've spent a lot of time in my, all my time sourcing within the first six months of my career and I've learned a thing or two about reading resumes, right? And some of the tips and tricks that I want to go ahead and share with you today um, in order for us to kind of cover this topic. And then um, hopefully, you know, people will eventually start, you know, sending comments and sending emails and we can just kind of have an open discussion about the things that, you know, people see out in the, in the world and, and what we're experiencing here. So, um, you know, first thing that I want to say about sourcing is that, in order for you to really have a clear understanding of what you're looking for, you obviously have to know what types of positions that you're looking for, right? What's, what type of opportunity is this? What type of background is the company coming from? We talked about that in the last episode where, you know, you have to understand the dynamic, the culture, all of these things, and then you can actually dive into the right resume because there's a lot of really good resumes And then there's a lot of really bad resumes and there's a lot of really good resumes that aren't worth your time for this particular job, right? So you'll come across some awesome candidates and you're like, wait a minute, I mean, you're a great candidate, but I can't use you for this role. No matter what I do or what I say to the hiring manager, you're just not going to be a fit here. So, you know, keeping that in mind is, you know, once you actually understand the the core, the the basis, meaning the, the job order, now you can dive into, you know, essentially like starting to dive into what you're looking for in a resume. And typically, um, as I was trained to do, you know, what you want to look at is the tree, right? The fundamental foundation, meaning the foundation of a tree, the, the roots are, you know, you know, the educational background. Do they have a degree? Have they graduated? Um, do they have, you know, internships? And were those internships you know, related to the job that they're at now. And then you kind of start going up the tree, right? Going up the tree trunk and you'll see in their career how they progressed. And you'll start to notice, did they stay in their field of study? So if they started in marketing, have they always been in the marketing field? Or were they maybe a manager of a restaurant 
and then they jumped into marketing with a company and then they went into this software sales position and now they're back into marketing. And that's a big red flag for you right there because most um, companies are looking for that solid tree, right? Where they stayed within their field of study um, and saw it all the way through up until the point that you're looking at right now, right? So with that in mind, what you want to look for is the foundation, essentially. It's like, okay, do they have a good educational background? And mind you, yes, there are a lot of cases where you, you know, education doesn't matter, you know, you know, you don't have to have an education to be successful, yada, yada, all of that. Not necessarily the case um, whenever you're recruiting, right? There's a lot of companies, almost 90% of the companies love an educational background. And simply because it just shows discipline and it shows that you'll see things through. Most of the time, the, the, you know, whatever they majored in does not matter. They could have majored in philosophy and they'll still look at them, right? Because they'll say, hey, this guy still stuck it through. Philosophy has nothing to do with marketing, but he started a marketing career. He saw it through. Let's give this guy a chance, right? Um, and that's usually the case. Unless you're in the engineering field or, you know, the medical field, the educational background doesn't always have to be relevant to the, to the position or to the career field, which is great, right? So you start at the foundation and then you start to work your way up. All right, the internships. Okay, did he stick with his, within his, you know, realm of study and his profession, career choice? Yes. Awesome. Internships typically last anywhere between six months to a year. So you don't really kind of take that into account in terms of tenure. And then at that point, you kind of move on to the first position. What was the first position that they took right after the internship? Now, did they jump right in? Did they take a year long break? Because that sometimes can be a red flag to, to some employers, not always the case. And then, you know, secondly is, you know, what type of role did they play in that, in that, uh, in that first career choice, right? So you'll look at that, you'll see the details. Typically, if everything is outlined, it should be in bullet point form. You'll see a couple of bullet points highlighting some of their key experiences, right? So some of that key experience can be like, hey, made, you know, if they're in sales, made over $100,000 in sales, um, you know, did business to business interactions, outside sales included, meaning I actually met the client as well as did the inside sales portion where it was just selling over the phone, sending emails and closing them that way. Then you'll go, okay, great. Great, nice bullet point form. There's sometimes you'll start to see these lengthy paragraph, um, you know, essays on each individual position, huge red flag. And the reason being is, and I'll go into this a little bit more uh, in, in later detail, is people who have lengthy um, resumes are trying to make up for something. It's kind of like the individual who drives a big truck. You're like, wow, why does he have to drive such a big truck? Usually there's some sort of insecurity issue going on, right? Not always the case, but there's some, something that's lacking that they're trying to make up for. So in the same case goes for a resume. So, you know, if there's a lengthy resume that's got, you know, paragraphs and paragraphs, like, why are they telling us so much information about that position and about what they did, um, you know, in this case? Because if that's the case, there might be some underlying issue. Maybe, you know, they have to overcompensate for the, what they actually did. You know, they're just 
uh, a regular old salesperson, but they're trying to glorify themselves as a regional sales manager and they're trying to compensate for that. So you have to be really careful on that aspect. So typically the individuals who have just a few, you know, bullet points um, kind of outline their key experiences and their key highlights are typically the individuals that you want to go after. So kind of go into the next, you, you go into the next portion, you go into the next position. Okay, well, first let me check. How, how long did he last at this first position? Was it at least a year? A year typically to most employers shows, hey, that's decent tenure. Not great. Great tenure is on average about two to three years before they make a move. Um, one year is oh, borderline, right? You're like, all right, well, we'll let that one slide. It could have been not, not, not such a big deal. He's probably just exploring, wasn't sure something might have happened, but that's okay. At least he stuck it out for a year. Anything less than a year becomes a huge red flag, meaning, hey, can he, why can't he keep a job? Did he get fired? Was he laid off? Is he a hopper, right? Someone who just wants to hop around jobs because he doesn't like it or he's bored really easily. So essentially, tenure's always key. You move on to the next position. All right, did he stick within his career field? Well, he could have gone from, you know, selling steel to selling software, right? But he's still selling. So if he's still within that realm of sales, we've got a really good individual here, right? Now, once again, what are we looking at? We're looking for highlights. What did they do at this position? You know, what did their key sales metrics look like? What was, um, you know, their key client? Was this an inside or outside sales role? All things that you wanna look for within that paragraph. Hopefully, it's the bullet point form. Now, you look at the tenure once again. How long has this individual been in there? Minimum a year. Okay, great. We've got ourselves at least a year. It's kind of a red flag, but if this guy's a freaking all-star, we can work with it, right? Now, we finally come into the entire resume, okay? So kind of going back to what I said before is the formatting, right? The lengthy formatting, all of that. So now that we've seen that he's got a good educational background, his internships are relevant to what he's doing, and then his last two positions, you know, he's been in sales, and then he's also, um, you know, essentially been, uh, has a good tenure, right? Now, okay, great. Now, another key metric, another key thing that I want to just, you know, kind of go into here, not many managers or recruiters actually look at this, but I've found that this is, has been a huge success um, to my own recruiting methods is look at the formatting. How much time did they actually take to build this resume? How much do they care, right? Some people go over the top, right? You're like, geez, okay. Some people put profile pictures, they'll put funny pictures, and they'll put graphs. All of that is fluff, my friend, okay? Stay away from the fluff. It's not something that looks good on a resume ever. Unless you're a graphic design person and you're trying to you know, impress another graphic design manager, Maybe that'll fly, but even then it's pushing it. So what you want to do is you want to look at the formatting and you want to keep it simple, but you want it to have enough detail and elaboration and formatting that it just looks appealing. It draws you in. And what I've seen and my resume, I'm going to be honest, my resume has my name and it's got a, a, a bar line right at the bottom 
and then it's got the entire information, but it's formatted nicely. It kind of outlines my LinkedIn profile pretty nicely. It's a very simple resume. I need to work on it. I do. But most people have, um, you know, boxes of, of different types of, you know, skill sets. And then they'll have, you know, a couple of lines that kind of separate the different sections. The formatting's really nice. They'll have some, you know, you know the name of the, the company in italics and then their title in bold. These are all the formatting things that you want to look at because most individuals that are good at their jobs, that care a lot about their career, that are going to go places are typically the individuals who think about the details. So you remember that. You want to think about the details. If someone takes enough time to think about all of those tiny little details, they're more than likely to be a detail-oriented person in their work. So if, they, if you can see that and you can really pay attention and go, wow, this actually looks like a really good resume, then this person is more than likely someone that you're going to want to talk to. And then secondly, if he doesn't, he or she doesn't have that resume formatting, that's not always the case for them, right? They might have just been like, ah, I was on the fly, I've always been working, yada, yada. There might be an excuse, who cares? Give them a call anyways. But if you really see, if you see a resume that's just got poor formatting, there might be some misspelled words, there might be, you know, a, a bunch of just nonsense that's thrown on there, there's usually a red flag and you want to, you know, proceed with caution, essentially, right? You want to ask a few more questions upon the screening phase. So just remember that the formatting says a lot about the person's character. And I say eight times out of 10, it's, it's been the case um, in my search when I've been, you know, searching for candidates in my field. So kind of take all of that into account and, you know, really think about the formatting, really think about, um, you know, essentially the tree, right? The foundation, the trunk, and then up until its branches, meaning the foundation, meaning, meaning uh, the school, the trunk itself, meaning the tenure at, its, at the, uh, the career, career field. And then lastly, what we're looking at is, you know, the, the branches. What is the fruit of all of this labor? What does everything look like? How does the formatting look? All of these things are to be taken into consideration when actually sourcing. So that, all that being said, I, I don't want to drag this out any further, um, you know, on this, on this podcast here because there's a lot that could be said around sourcing. So I just want to quickly dive into the actual sourcing portion of it. You know, everyone's got various um, types of, you know, sourcing tools that they get to use. Um, some have to share licenses, which I've had, and that sucks. <laughs> Can't tell you how much that sucks because one person's usually, usually using it when you want to use it. And then sometimes you have like the all-star recruiter in the office that just has like first dibs on everything. So you're just kind of waiting around for the scraps. Sucks. Believe me, I know I've been there. I think every recruiting, uh, recruiter has been there in their career at some point. So all that's to say is there's usually, you know, tools like Monster, ZipRecruiter, um, LinkedIn, Indeed, Dice, Ladders, um, CareerBuilder, and I think there's one other, but that's the ones that I can think of as of right now. All typically the same types of databases. Some have some more search functionalities than others. 
Um, some have better resumes and better candidates than others. Some of them actually have better candidates in their um, respective regions. So like CareerBuilder has the best Chicago candidates, right? And the reason being is because CareerBuilder is headquartered in Chicago. So anytime I'm looking for a Chicago candidate, CareerBuilder has the best candidates. Um, and then just really depends on the region essentially, right? But LinkedIn is gold. If you have LinkedIn, you're probably making a lot of money because LinkedIn is the ultimate you know, sourcing tool out there. Um, it's becoming a little saturated, unfortunately, but that's just the name of the business and that's just how it goes. So all that's to say is all of them have the basic underlying search functionality, right? The Boolean search. Um, which I actually talked about on the very first episode. Very first episode was just kind of talking about all types of different things. Now that we have this structure, I'm going to go into a little more detail. So, um, you know, going into the Boolean searches, you want to keep it. I have a three tier system and hopefully I can remember it perfectly for y'all. So the three tier system is what we talked about in the first episode. Most blatantly obvious um, you know, Boolean search that you could look for, right? Because you just never know when you're going to have a candidate that's hitting you right in the face, right? You might be looking for, let's say, a production manager, right? And a production manager in the fabrics industry, which I actually had that one. But, funny story, um, production manager in the fabrics industry. So what do you want to do? You don't want to go into this elaborate, like, well, I got to look for all these key you know, search words and put in sales and then put in the, the different regions and all of that. No, just go very basic. In your Boolean search, you know, in parentheses, you'll put production manager as one word and then you'll put and fabrics and then you'll put like and, you know, management, let's say, right? So very, very obvious and you'll put it in your uh, specific region, let's say Los Angeles, and then you'll put in that search. And then sometimes it could be hitting you right in the face. That's all you have to do is the most basic search and they're right there. Now, sometimes that's not always the case, right? You won't find the right candidate. So what do you want to do next? You want to go ahead and jump into um, the, you know, the more, uh, more detailed search. And that's basically doing everything that we just did on the very first search, except now you're going to break down each and every single word. So in parentheses, you had production manager and then you put and, and then the other one was management. Um, now what you wanna do is have all of those keywords, but you wanna break them up now. So you wanna do production and manager and management, right? So you wanna put all those three and you wanna separate them because sometimes what happens is, you know, these, you know, these professionals kind of word themselves differently. They might have a different title but they'll have all of those key keywords in their resume or LinkedIn profile. So if you just look for those three keywords and boom, they might just show up and you're like, oh, that's what it is. He might call himself like an executive production manager. So sometimes that's the case and that's why you wanna go ahead and go into the, the, the second tier system, which is basically breaking up the most obvious search from the first one. Now, lastly here, now we're coming to a close just to kind of give you guys a heads up. I know it's been 20 minutes. This is probably a long one, but stay with me here. Um, so the last one is the more detailed search, right? Obviously, this one is the, the more elaborate search. Now, typically, 
you know, there's obviously always going to be more complex searches, but for the sake of time and for the sake of simplicity and for the sake of having a starting point for us to all learn here, um, you know, what I want to go into is the more detailed search, right? This is the most detailed search of the three. And typically what you want to do in, in something like this, um, in one of these really detailed searches, is you want to look for all of the key like words that the job description, um, you know, is exhibiting, is, is telling you, right? So sometimes that's obviously there's production manager, um, there's management, there's fabric, um, there's sales, there's these other different dynamics, manufacturing maybe. Um, are some of the key requirements of the opportunity, having experience, you can typically find that in the requirements section, right? Saying, hey, you have to have these things. You have to have experience in these things. And you wanna use those specific keywords that you find in the requirements and you wanna put that in your advanced Boolean search. So once you do so, you can go ahead and finally put in your advanced Boolean search. Typically the way I do it is say, okay, what does he absolutely have to be, right? He has to be a manager, right? Not just a producer, not just a worker, but a manager. So what I would do, and this is what I recommend, is you put manager as the first word in the Boolean search. Then you're gonna go ahead and put and, right? A-N-D in capitalized letters. For whatever reason, that's the way the Boolean search world works. So. You put manager and, and then you can go ahead and break it down. You're gonna go ahead and put production or fabrics or sales or manufacturing, right? So you break all of these keywords up. So what happens is, is that you put in manager, meaning you have to have manager no matter what. Once you put and, it could be and, Either of these words, right? The last four words that we just put in there. So either, you know, production or fabrics or manufacturing. Doesn't matter as long as at least one of those three words comes up along with manager, right? And so that allows the Boolean search to kind of broaden the search and then allows you to do the in-depth sourcing. So one thing that I was always reminded of when I was a... Um, a sourcing specialist is that the computer is not smarter than you, my friend. Your brain, your evolved 10,000 year, year old brain is highly more complex and highly more intelligent than a computer is. As crazy as that sounds, because these computers can do some amazing things, is that your brain, yes, your brain is the smartest and most intellectual um, you know, database um, and computer around. So that being said, you have to do the, the sourcing that you know the computer typically does for you, right? You really have to dive in and use that brain power to find that candidate. So you have to look for the keywords, look for the personality, or excuse me, the, the, the profile, the person. You have to look and dive in into the profile itself in order for you to to figure out, is this dude a production manager? Because all, for all you know, he's probably just calling himself a manager or an executive you know, manager of sorts. And you're like, this dude's actually a production manager just by looking at his job, um, his job description and whatnot. So 
All that's to say is at the, on the third tier here, you know, it's your job as a really good recruiter and a really great sorcerer to dive into the specifics, um, you know, of each individual's profile and figure out for yourself, is this the person that I'm looking for? So just kind of wrapping all of this up, I want to thank everyone um, for listening and tuning in today. Please, 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 if you can and if you are listening and if this is of any value, and even if it's not one star me, give me any star, I don't care, a comment, that would be great. Why? Because it helps me become a better recruiter and it helps me produce better content for everyone, okay? And like I said, I started this podcast because uh, I wanna help people, I wanna be a producer, I wanna produce content, um, and I wanna just kind of become uh, a better recruiter myself and help others. And then hopefully one day build a community of recruiters um, that can all help each other and uh, can you know be successful in this field that I am extremely passionate about. So uh, yeah, please review, comment, anything, share, send me an email, whatever it is, um, you know, and let's connect. Um, but for now, you know, go ahead and uh, just, you know, let's keep following and, you know, keep, hopefully we'll, we'll bring in that next episode by next week here, okay? Um, I'm going to be better about it. All right, so thanks everyone.